Gracious God and Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord and King over all. Amen. You may be seated, and I invite you to turn in your worship bulletin to page 10. We're going to read through very quickly the gospel reading once again, uh, a little differently, but I think in a very truthful way, on page 10. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Truth and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Truth answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Truth answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Truth answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? The irony is that the truth was staring Pilate in the face while he asked the question. And the question, uh, by asking it, Pilate really condemns himself because by his own answer he reveals that he is really not of the truth. He is of the world, the world which has set itself in opposition to the truth. So point number one in your worship outline on page 10. Challenges to truth. These challenges, by the way, have been around for a very long time. They are worldviews. They are philosophies of life. They are grids by which people view reality. And we all have grids. But these grids are really self-defeating. Letter A, relativism. You know, everything's relative, right? Relativism rejects all truth. Relativists will say there is no absolute truth. And of course, we understand that that is an absolute truth statement. (laughs) So it's really self-contradictory. Letter B, there's skepticism. Skepticism doubts all truth. And it only stands to reason that if the skeptic doubts all truth, should he not doubt skepticism as well? Wouldn't that be logically consistent to do so? The skeptic says that you cannot really know truth. But how does does the skeptic know that? Skepticism is self-defeating. And then, letter C, there's pluralism. Pluralism affirms all truth. Pluralism asserts that all truth claims are equally valid. But how can that be true when different religions make obviously contradictory claims? How can they both be true? For example, 
Christianity claims that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, whereas, on the other hand, Islam asserts that it's impossible for God to have any sort of son at all. So, either Christianity is false or Islam is false, and that means not, not all religions are true. It's clearly contradicting, contradicting pluralism. The fact is you can't get away from truth. You can't get away from truth claims. And neither the relativist, nor the skeptic, nor the pluralist can live according to their worldview. And, and that's illustrated by uh, a parable that I think some of you have heard, if not all of you. It's the parable of the blind men and the elephant. And there are six blind men, and they all represent the uh, major world religions. And then there's the elephant representing God. And so you have these blind men, they're all feeling the elephant differently, right? There's one at the tail, and he's saying, I think God is sort of like a rope. And then there's one holding the trunk, and he says, oh, I, I think God is kind of like a snake. And then there's one feeling the side of the elephant, and he said, no, uh, God is more like a wall. Another feels the leg and says, oh, I think God is like like the trunk of a tree, and, and so on. The conclusion is that all religions have part of the truth, but no religion has all of the truth. That's the claim. But the only way that works is if you think you have a view of the entire elephant that no one else has. The only way that works is if you believe you have a view of truth that is superior to everyone else. So some deny that truth exists, but we really can't live without it, practically speaking. All of us live as if truth does exist, because it does. And that brings us to point number two in the outline, the persistence of truth. The ultimate offense today is to think that what you believe is true and that what someone else believes is false. That's the ultimate effrontery and arrogance today. For example, there are many Christians in the world. There are many Christians who are not Lutheran. And there are many Lutherans who are not Christian. But I'm a Lutheran Christian because I believe that the teachings of the Lutheran Church, and I, I don't want to limit this to the Missouri Synod. I, I'm speaking of the Lutheran Church in general and its official teachings. I believe that the teachings of the Lutheran Church accurately reflect the teaching of Christ and his apostles. In other words, I believe what the Lutheran Church teaches about the Trinity and about how a person is saved and about baptism and God's work in baptism and the Lord's Supper and so on. And I believe that what other churches teach about those doctrines is not only wrong, but dangerous and misleading. Now, that's not a judgment about persons. That is a judgment about teachings. And you may believe that it is unloving of me or arrogant of me to think in that manner. But if you do, it's only because you believe 
that your view of religious truth is superior to my own. You assume that you have an understanding of the religious landscape that I lack. And you may. You may be right. Maybe we need to get together and talk about that. But either way, you're guilty of the very thing you accuse me of. Letter A. Everyone has beliefs about God, and everyone believes that their beliefs about God are superior to the beliefs of others. All of us operate this way. Even atheists operate this way. Atheists are betting their lives on their belief that there is no God. They're wagering eternity on their belief that there is no God. And they think that they're right and the rest of us are wrong. Everyone operates this way. It's not just Christians and it's not just Lutheran Christians. So the question is not, do you think your beliefs are superior to the beliefs of others? No, all of us do that. That's a given. The real question is, are your beliefs true? Do your beliefs conform to the teaching of Scripture? That's the question for every Christian. Letter B. All people are equal, but not all truth claims are. All people are equally loved by God, equally redeemed by Jesus Christ, and are therefore worthy of respect no matter who they are or what they believe or what they've done. But not all truth claims are equal. Letter C. Facts do not care about your feelings or your sincerity. Facts remain facts. Truth remains truth, even if no one believes it. And letter D. Truth matters because life has serious consequences for being wrong. All of us know that. You know, should children be vaccinated? Should you be vaccinated? There are consequences for whatever decision you make. And you may not experience those consequences until much later. Jesus is returning to judge humanity and he's returning at any moment. That's the teaching of Scripture. He's right at the door. He hasn't yet stepped across the threshold, but he's right at the door, according to the Bible. The judge of all the earth is coming at any moment to judge humanity, for, to right every wrong, to remedy every injustice, and to call us to account for every angry word we speak. Therefore, repent. Turn from your sin while there's time and look to the cross of Jesus Christ, your Savior. Believe in the Lord Jesus who has already answered for your sins so that you will not have to answer for them on the last day. Now some are in denial about the coming day of judgment. And if they remain that way, they will have to answer for their sins on the day of judgment there are consequences to denying what is true. Roman numeral three. Human philosophy seeks truth. It seeks the truth. Biblical theology arises from truth. It grows out of truth. It doesn't seek it. 
Truth is its native soil. Letter A. Truth is the self-revelation, or we could say the self-manifestation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says this in John 17. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That means the only way to have eternal life is to know the Father. And the Father will reveal himself through the Son in no other way. Number one, truth in the Hebrew language refers to what is firm and solid and therefore reliable. Truth is reliable. You can stake your life on it. You stake your life on other things all the time. You get on an airplane, you stake your life that the pilot is competent and isn't drunk. Truth is reliable. Point number two, truth in the Greek language, this is in the New Testament now, refers to that which is unhidden. And that's kind of awkward. What's unhidden? Well, it's something that's revealed. Truth is revealed from heaven. It's not something we discover or find. It must be revealed to us. As our Lord said to Peter, he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's how it works. And both those understandings of truth from the Bible inform our text for today. They, inf- they both inform the meaning of truth in the Gospel of John and in our Gospel reading. And then letter B, truth is self-authenticating. It's self-authenticating. That is, it is convincing all by itself. God's Word is not dead. It is living and active. It convicts us It comforts us, it creates faith in us, it transforms us. The Bible is not a dead book, it is a living book. Martin Luther put it this way, he said, the Bible is alive, it speaks to me. The Bible has feet, it runs after me. It has hands, it lays hold of me. We do not need any human authority to tell us that the Bible is true. We don't need some teaching ministerium of the church to affirm for us the truthfulness, the veracity of God's word. The Bible authenticates itself. God's word impresses itself upon us as true. It has the power to do so, and it does. Point number one, Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. That's from our gospel reading for today. You are like a child in the womb, yet unborn, but who knows the voice of his mother, even though you've not yet seen your mother. That's how it works. Number two, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. It's not that we have searched for the truth and and discovered it. That's worldly philosophy. The truth has searched for us and found us. It has persuaded us of its truthfulness. And Peter said it this way in John 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Your word persuades. And let her see, finally, truth 
is a person, a person who seeks and finds the lost. Humanity, on the one hand, is always seeking truth and never really arriving there. That's why Pilate asked, what is truth? The good news, on the other hand, is that truth seeks and finds humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. The truth forgives humanity in the person of Christ. Truth becomes flesh in the person of Christ in order to lay down his life for relativists and skeptics and pluralists like ourselves. Truth is a person who willingly suffers and dies for all sinners, including for those who deny the truth. That is the truth about God, my friends. That is the good news. And don't let anyone, Christian or not, rob you of that. As I said earlier, there are many Christians who are not Lutherans, and many Lutherans who are not Christians. We rejoice that there are Christians in many denominations who confess that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. We will see them in heaven. They are our brothers in Christ. But we also believe the truth about God's saving work in baptism, which some churches deny. They deny it because they elevate their reason above the word of God, and they ask questions like this, how can a handful of water help the soul? We also believe the truth, that the Holy Communion of Christ's body and blood is just that, that the body of the Lord is truly in communion with the bread, and that the blood of Jesus is truly in communion with the wine in the cup. Others deny that. Christians deny it because they elevate their reason above the word of God, and they say, well, Christ's body's in heaven. A body can't be in two places at once, you know. Well, we stand on the word. We take Christ at his word. We take Paul at his word. Will you continue to believe and to confess that truth publicly, even though many of your Christian friends don't? My friends, we have been given truth that apparently other Christians lack. We're not better than others, far from it. It's by God's grace alone that we possess whatever truth we have. But can you accept that? Can you handle that truth? Will you continue to treasure the doctrine you've been given? Or will you ignore it? Will you give it up? Will you compromise it in order to please men? May that never be said of you or me. Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Are you listening? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Will you follow? In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus Amen.